Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, it's podcast number 98 and it is us again already in what is probably behavior so unusual that if we were a close loved one you'd be getting concerned and thinking about reporting us to the police we have come back with another podcast i don't think we mentioned last time that we are intending to kind of up the frequency not just from once a year but from its former once a fortnight ish to maybe even once a week we have faced a problem though in that pretty much twice a week we are playing blackburn rovers so finding time to actually do the podcast in between those games has been difficult but tonight we are definitely not playing blackburn rovers unless i have mr memo and that means i can be joined by michael normanton hello and eamon dalton hello and odie well no still not he's he's ellen road waiting to play blackburn do we know if you heard that the podcast was back? He, I doubt he's got any signal where he is. Uh, I, I wondered if that might kind of bring him running back out of the undergrowth and back into our arms, but sadly not. So if anybody sees Oddy do, please uh, let us know. Meantime, um, you can also buy issue two of The Square Ball, the magazine that we do, as well as sometimes recording this. It's Went on sale at the Huddersfield game, but we're not taking any responsibility for anything that happened after that. And it's a beautiful issue. Eamon, I would like you to talk in particular about the cover that you and the brilliant Josh Parkin cooked up. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, cooked it's, up, yeah. Oh, here he is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a recreation of the season ticket poster from, not this season, season before, with uh, Cook, Byram, Taylor and Mowat all waving to their adoring fans. But of course now, Byram is in a West Ham kit, Cook is in a Bournemouth kit, and Taylor and Mowat looking on forlornly. It's almost a shame Taylor didn't get sold as well, because then (laughs) it would have been super impactful. Yes, the the sacrifices we would like other people (laughs) to make for our fanzine are endless. But yes, and that one didn't happen. So that one uh, was a sacrifice without beginning. There's lots of good stuff inside that we can probably return to at the end of the podcast. But basically, it's two quid, pound fifty for the digital version. And it's worth it just for the cover alone. But some of the writing inside is mighty, mighty good as well. Squareball.net is the place for all that kind of stuff. White watching. It was Derby weekend in football. They had the... Manchester Derby, they had Celtic Rangers and for some reason they tossed this game into the mix as well who says that the EFL computers are not corrupt and almost inevitably Huddersfield Town top of the league Huddersfield Town 
they went and beat us. Michael, did you enjoy your afternoon? It was really, really entertaining. Good fun. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I confidently predicted a win in this one. I believe it should have been a win. We were cheated by the referee. Was the referee, was he playing up front for Leeds United? Perhaps should he have been marking um, Aaron Moy on the edge of our box? Correct. He should have been. Um, and he was also, I believe, in charge of the lead tactics, um, which is why we didn't create any chances. Eamon, you came a long, long way from this game. You came across the seas mm. in an aeroplane. You travelled. I did. Was it worth it? Uh, absolutely not. It was it was probably one of the worst performances I've seen in well probably not that long to be fair but it was very bad <laughs> it was uh, completely devoid of of anything even to mention like we did we did nothing we did absolutely nothing and Huddersfield did slightly more than us and that was that was enough I think that's the thing with this game there's there's not a great deal to talk about really because literally nothing happened. One of their players hit a shot from 25 yards that went in, and that's really about it. There was no, not really any other chances, particularly. Chris Wood headed it at the ground at one point. Other Don't that, get me started. <laughs> there's just not... What, what do you want to say about Chris Wood? Most that... I think, um, fucking header. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> what was he again? Like six yards out, and I know that you're supposed to head it down, but you're not supposed to head it down like a yard in front of you. Headed, yeah, headed down he's towards. Been, he's been teaching Kyle Bartley this as well. I've noticed he did it um, the other night. He, he scored though. That's the difference. <laughs> no, no, Chris it, Wood was didn't before, score. it was before he scored. You know. oh, okay. Well, he scored in the end, I suppose, as did Chris Wood. To be fair, but that's that's. He was way trying way. to head it onto his foot to volley it in. <laughs> well, he is more comfortable with his feet. This, I think this is clear from the big man. I think we got away with it slightly because if Huddersfield Town had been playing the way they had been playing up to coming up against us we could have been absolutely battered but they were pretty crap as well so we almost got off relatively lightly but they did keep possession for a long time and that seemed to be the main problem is that they just tipped it round the back pretty much the whole game and we we had no answer for it whatsoever yeah that was kind of Gary Monk's curious defense after the game was that he'd set up that we wouldn't concede and the only thing that went wrong was that we conceded. Therefore, we should have the points, really. three You get three points mm. from a nil-nil draw in this game, and we got a moral nil-nil draw. I think I think the problem with this post-match interview was that, apart from him being just acting like a knobhead, um, and, <laughs> was that he's, his argument was basically that what we did was basically fine, um, and it was just that they happened to score. And nobody who watched that game thought any aspect of our performance was fine. It was terrible. But he seemed to think that for some reason the fact that it could potentially have been nil-nil was actually quite a nice thing, um, which I don't think anyone else would agree with. Yeah, and I don't think any Leeds United fan is going to go into any game against Huddersfield Town thinking, I really hope that we just get a nil-nil draw today. That will do. And that's part of Gary Monk's job. He's got to please Massimo Cellino, obviously, but he's also got to please the people in the stands. And I... Stay Don't your business. <laughs> I stayed to the end. We we were thinking like, oh, should we nip off early? But I was like, no, I want to stay and um, see the reaction. And I've not actually heard quite such vitriol. Certainly not such so early in the season where players were kind of getting to the centre circle and looking like they were going to come towards the cop. And the general response was, do not even fucking think about coming <laughs> over here and clapping us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was told to them in no uncertain terms. And that should be enough for Gary Monk to just think, yeah, 
I need to just kind of apologise and not just act like I was right. The reaction to uh, Antonsen's substitution as well was particularly interesting. Just everyone was livid. And he wasn't even playing well. And we were still livid that he was going off. Not done particularly well with substitutions so far. Um, I think they quite often confuse people a little bit. As of the his choices for his just general team selections as well. The way he, he he's not so much rotating people really because that suggests there's an obvious plan to it. And generally, if you rotate, you rotate players. You don't rotate players and formations, um, which I think is confusing people slightly. So I think it's maybe just a slight frustration building at all of that sort of thing. We could work backwards through identity gates because the way that's kind of culminated with the Blackburn game that we'll come on to in a minute is that he said I've allowed myself to start sacrificing my philosophy and I've not stuck with the team that I was intending to pick so you're right it's not been like a a considered rotation of the squad throughout the first few games it's him binning everything he did in pre-season and the first couple of games for something he didn't want to do and then trying every different combination of players to try and make it work until at this game it was absolutely disgusting and then Adam Pope calls him on it and then he gets incredibly narky and then he changes the team like everybody always wanted all along and like he wanted all along exactly I mean, it's the formation he was playing in pre-season and like we start the first game Diagaraga and Grimes in the team they have one bad game as did everyone in there and I'm not suggesting that you know they should necessarily be in the team but he obviously at, the, at that point in the season rated them to be in there and after one game completely throws them out and tries to basically get rid of him and Grimes has just been relegated to this year's Casper Sloth you make him sound like it's been uh, unveiled at New York Fashion Week anything else to say about this dreadful game or should we just get on to Blackburn Ref, Referee was a prick. I'll say that much. This is true. Yeah, I mean, Monk was right. He, should have been, he shouldn't have been on the pitch to score that goal. But, you know, so what? It's always fate that it will always be the, the best player should have been sent off and it will always be the player that should have been, that will score the winner that that will come down to time and time again. I was having this discussion with a Huddersfield fan um, who was trying to argue that this was evening things up because Scott Wharton should have been sent off last year. Oh, yeah. And I was just making the point that was Scott Wotton. This guy was good. He was clearly the best player on the pitch. He's basically, they've cheated because they've loaned him from Man City, who were that really, really good. So it's it not would, fair. Uh, but mind you, did he counter with, uh, but you got Scott Wotton from Manchester United. So Champions League, did he play in the Champions League when he made his debut? Or the, he probably y- did. I think that Europa was Danny League? Pugh. <laughs> yeah, we'd already burned up all our uh, scum luck with Danny Pugh. Anywho, Blackburn Rovers... Tuesday night, 9,000 people who were there on Saturday uh, didn't make this trip. Me included. Tells the story. Expect, you can't expect the Huddersfield fans to turn up though either, to be fair, because there was a few thousand of them and about 50 Blackburn fans. They are remarkably undedicated to hating Leeds United. If they really meant it, they'd have been there for this game. <laughs> um, Chris Wood wasn't there in the starting lineup, and uh, what was there in the starting lineup was the formation that we've all been talking about since the start of the season Pablo Hernandez at 10 still shit take that back now <laughs> go on I'll let, you, I'll let you defend him in a minute okay Yunan O'Kane made his uh, his debut um, alongside Bridcourt in midfield and we still looked a bit shit I'd say yeah all mm. in all I mean they are going down I would say almost certainly they were, we've been poor in every game I've seen really this season I, I admittedly didn't see the Sheffield Wednesday game 
Um, but I've not seen us play well this year, and I still haven't really. <laughs> but we, we, but we still definitely deserve to win this game, which kind of mm. tells you all you need to know. Gary Monk said the first seventy minutes were exactly the kind of football he wants to play. It was okay. It was pretty miserable. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't dire in a, a Huddersfield dire, but it was just like I was watching the um, the thunderstorm most of the time because yeah. I I could see it over the south and west stands, and it was astonishing, really. For I don't think I've seen probably in my life an uh, electrical storm where you just get that amount of lightning just again and again and again every two seconds, something new, and then occasionally a real big flash that would be really exciting rumbling thunder and so half time a few people are oh Stuart Dallas is playing well isn't he and I was like ah yeah <laughs> plus the the first half had the uh, that injury when Rob Green came out and completely brayed he seems to be out to injure somebody at least twice a game at the, at the moment and it meant we had like, what was it five minutes of injury time and then somebody got injured during that and it was just like it felt like the half that was never going to end as the storm drew in closer and closer the lightning started striking nearer and nearer almost as if Ken Bates was inside Subway and it was just firing at him but he was just repelling every blast and it took Chris Wood to come on and change the game Eamon is that what you expected to happen when Antonson went off Wood came on. Not the same reaction as that that change got on there. The reverse change got on Saturday, but it worked. I, su- I suppose so. Although f- from the goal, it appears that Chris Wood was stood in the six-yard box and Sacco crossed it, on like kicked it at his foot, and uh, it just went in off his foot. I'm not in sure your, he actually kicked the ball. That's what I'm saying. In, in your opinion, Eamon, would a bin have scored that goal? <laughs> a bin, uh, possibly a cone would have scored the goal a wardrobe a regency wardrobe a wardrobe would have actually maybe finished it even better with some real panache Sacco basically did everything for this goal and he had a good game he's a strange one he's I've seen he's looked both brilliant and abysmal since we've had him um, I think he's just going to be one of those one of those people who kind of keeps you guessing but I'm, yeah. I think we need to try and start negotiating now on the 65 million <laughs> euro buyout clause because I think I think he's probably only worth half that Oh, I thought you meant somebody might snap him up. Well, you never know, dear. You never know these days. And as for Pablo Hernandez, I will concede that he was not brilliant. Still rubbish. Still rubbish. But I will counter that he did many more interesting things than most other players on the pitch, merely by... I mean, and I don't know, perhaps if Alex Mowat had been playing in that position, he would have done the same and perhaps better. I will grant you that. But I did think that the runs he was making meant that a player like Bridcutt or O'Kane could not just bang it forward because they'd be like, oh, this guy, I can give it to him. And he'd be like, yeah, give it to me. And then I'll give it, I'll give it away. <laughs> <laughs> and then also sometimes when he did play um, some through balls, then it, you could tell the players were like, oh, he's played it so I can run, I'd better go and get that. And that, I think, if you stick with that and you give it some time, and you allow Pablo to play more than like one match ever in that position, things will come well. I'm prepared to give him a bit longer, but I'm yet to be impressed by him. I think you look you're you're desperate to see the best in him. I'm Anything desperate to see like, the best in I, everybody. You're not at all. I'm just that you kind never, of nice you guy. You never liked any of you never liked any of the players Warlock signed. <laughs> um, with, I mean, with you, you prove right. Don't be wrong, but. 
I think with Hernandez, like I can imagine if the ball if he passes to no one, you'll be like, ah, someone should have probably made a run. He's too good for these other players. It's not Rodolf- your fault, Pablo. <laughs> He's one step ahead. Rodolf That's Austin. The There's a player that I like that Warnock signed. That's Rodolf true. Austin. So That's true. Um, so and a player everybody seems to like at the moment, Pontus Janssen. He is a hero already, isn't he? Well, a hero. Let's not get let's not get <laughs> carried away. He seems quite competent. It's what it that's says what here I, in black and white, I, hero. Did you write that? Yeah. <laughs> but that I means, you know, I can read it back <laughs> as if somebody else did. He is the only player I've seen write both games. Um, he has done something defensive, first at the North, uh, North End against Huddersfield, then at the South Stand against Blackburn. Done something defensive, and then he has got up and he has celebrated as if he has just scored a goal and roared at the cop and roared at the stand, and he's just be like, "Yeah, come on!" And it gets everybody up and going for about two minutes because then, like, we have—I mean, Huddersfield, the football started again. But who doesn't love to see a Is raucous, it? tattooed, tall, probably swearing in Swedish colossus? Do you think it's a shame that we only get to get to see him for another 17 games? It's a crying shame. Because <laughs> that is going to happen, isn't it? What did you think of him, Eamon? I liked him a lot, and uh, he seemed to be have a, a free role when the other team had corner kicks. He was just everywhere. He's like, I'm not marking anybody. This ball is mine. Step away from the ball. I've got it. And he just seems to love defending. Which is good because he's a defender. Him and Bartley do look—they do look quite good together. This is before they, they fuck up on Saturday, of course. But so far, I'm—I've got more confidence in them than I had probably in any other pairing we've tried in the last season or two. Let's let's stick with it. They seem a bit mad, which I think you maybe need. But Bartley was—was was I think it was the Blackburn game in the highlights. He was screaming at Sacco. I think he was like very very angry at Sacco for something, which is fine. I'm all I'm all for centre backs just getting angry. Was this as they were coming out on the pitch? It's something that had happened earlier. Janssen, I noticed, I was watching the highlights back myself just before we did this to remind myself what had gone on. And if you watch Kyle Bartley's goal and you see Pontus Janssen, he kind of clenched fist. And then as everybody runs over to the corner, he just turns around and he trots back to go and get into position again. And this is, bear in mind, this is the same game where he headed a ball out for a corner and celebrated as if we'd won the World Cup so I think something in his head is definitely like uh, a goal well I suppose that is after all the aim of football but then he's like headed clear and fucking get in this is why I play football this is for you grandma (laughs) and it's worth noting as well you can get a clear sight of it because we saw it um, in the ground Sacco, when he slides in, everybody does that thing where they all slide on the floor on a wet Oh, and he pit. grabs his hamstring. He, yeah, he absolutely hurts himself. <laughs> Monk, I mean, I don't, I don't want to criticise Monk too much for being a lying bastard, but he did claim afterwards, he's like, oh, uh, Sacco, he's got a bit of cramp, so we're going to have to keep it. No, no. He injured himself celebrating like a fool. Who was it but, for Arsenal who um, dislocated his shoulder doing some, some celebration thing? I can picture him because he was quite a young man, but prematurely balding. Was it... Um, Steve Morrow was it? Or something like it that? was Steve Morrow on um, Tony Adams' shoulders. My f- my favourite Warnock era player, um, Rodolf Austin, nearly did that to Ross McCormack as well when he scored against. I think it might have been the Huddersfield game, even where he picks him up. He just dropped him see, on his head. See Ross's hands going like a little cartoon um, Wiley Coyote, where he goes off a cliff and his arms just go, and he just drops him. It's marvellous stuff. Just to go back to Bartley's goal, 
I did enjoy it an awful lot because it's one of the rare occasions that I've seen a team defend as badly as we have. When you look at the the kind of freeze frame of him heading when he heads the ball, there are at least four or five Blackburn players stood in the box, not marking anyone, and he's there completely by himself. And it's just quite it's just quite nice to know that other teams can can reach those depths as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they are dreadful and we don't want to take anything away from the important thing in this game. If we'd lost this game and if we'd not won it, like if there'd not been that late winner, because in fact, we need to talk about the equaliser in a second. We really had to just get something out of this game. Otherwise, there would have been hell to pay. Well, people were asking Gary Monk about the identity of the club and an 87th minute winner against the team bottom of the league at home. There's your identity. If you're not up for that, then I don't know what to tell you. The final negative point to make about this is Rob Green conceding two identical goals in the past two games. It does seem a little bit worrying that he can do all the corner stuff and he can actually made some good saves at the end that kept us in this, but just a little bit to the right and kind of waist height and it's a goal. That's not great news, Michael. I, but I equally, I don't really see Marco Silvestri getting in, back into Gary Monk's team anytime soon, given... Um, the Twitter events of the last day or two. We'll discuss that in a second as well. But Rob Green, overall, better, he, he worse, about really the same? Like, it's the optician's he's, question. He's incompetent in slightly different ways, but probably overall a, about the same. Eamon, would you rather have Ross Turnbull there, your favourite? I, I, I don't even care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't think any of them can say. The Rob Green one is funny, though, because it doesn't seem like either of those shots should have gone in. No. Because they weren't in the corner, even. And they were, they were just, just at him, a bit to the right. Do you think he's used to playing for teams where uh, they close down attackers on the edge of the box? Is that, is that a thing? He's played for shit teams as well, though. Mm, All true. his career. The shit team he's playing for at the moment, <laughs> seven games, seven points, seven goals. Um, although we've conceded 11. That only gets us to 18th place. However, the the bright news is that we've won. So the form table shows that we have won one out of our last one games. So we're topping that. How are we feeling about the last couple of weeks? Well, the last week, I guess, because we're doing the podcasts weekly. Mental. Michael? <laughs> I feel 18th place is quite... I'm quite happy with that. If it, If we were 18th after 46 games, based <laughs> on what I've seen so far, I'd be quite happy. Which is terribly depressing. Do you like being down here at the bottom of a well? Literally speaking, um, well, seven points from seven games is forty-six games. Forty-six points will probably see us safe. So let's just let's just call the season now. Screw it, because it's okay. not it's not good to watch the the past two games. Certainly, the Huddersfield game was was very very bad. So let's just let's just forget about it. Move on. Let's do something else for our Saturdays. The news. And the news has been dominated like it has been dominated probably every minute of every day since about 2007 by the pot a potential Leeds United takeover. This one with a slight twist in that Saturday morning, 9 o'clock on Twitter, this was as good as confirmed. So that, of course, means it isn't confirmed at all as far as I'm aware. I mean, obviously, usual podcast rules apply that you'll have heard at least 24 hours of, of events since we're saying these things into microphones. But at the time of speaking, Leeds United has not been sold to anybody unless, Michael, have you got any in-the-know knowledge that I don't? Uh, have yes, we been sold? I've, have you bought us? What? Oh, Look, I know exactly what's happened, but I'm, I just can't say. Oh, 
They're, Come the, on. they're the two positions. They're two positions that I know, and this is definitely happening. It's just not been announced yet, and um, I know, but I can't say because I don't want to scupper the deal. Can you give us a hint? Absolutely not. No, um, mainly more... because I don't actually know. Um, so no, I, no one I seems hit... to actually know. Do they? I think a lot of people are seem to be confirming rumours via rumours they themselves have started and then heard back from other people, and that's mm. adding to the confusion of everything. Eamon, have you heard anything? I've heard that there's rumours, and people have confirmed the rumours via more rumours. Yes. Um, I sent a postcard to Massimo asking him, what's he doing? <laughs> and he <laughs> hasn't replied yet. That's a shame. The postcards mm. were, um, were a very good idea. I thought we were handing them out with uh, the magazine on Saturday that uh, time to go Massimo's latest uh, protest against Chilino's ownership was... You could get a postcard or you could fill in a, a form on the internet and you could write a message to Massimo and it would be printed on a postcard and sent out to him for read, um, which I liked because it gave license. If you wanted to go and grab 100 postcards off them and write, we love you, Massimo, and send them all off, then you could do that. But then it all seems a bit unnecessary now if he has sold because there's no need to protest anymore, which I suppose is safe on postage. I mean, there were certain signs that he had sold the, the whole um, GFH leaving entirely. It seemed a bit coincidental that, that happened alongside there being so much noise about about takeover. Um, but like I said, it has gone incredibly quiet since then. And there's still talk in the press about Chilino on the verge of sacking Monk, which implies that he's not stepping to one side anytime soon. Well, it implies that he's still Massimo Chilino. I'm not sure it implies like any further intention than than that because he probably I mean does he ever have any intention beyond like what he's going to have for breakfast <laughs> but you know if you're selling if you're selling a house for example while the sale's going through you mm. don't start you know knocking the garage down or anything do you just just try and leave you just try and keep things keep things again, as they that, are again Cellino probably would do that yeah that's you or me Massimo Cellino we'd probably just be like knocking a garage down that sounds great let's go get a lump a lump hammer it would be like, Massimo, you just sold that garage for a million quid. I don't care, I want to knock it down. Then sits so, crying in the ruins of it. I can't believe my garage. <laughs> I love this garage. GFH, they're responsible for all this shit. And they've gone. That's, I mean, that's a significant, whether that leads to a takeover, and it does kind of feel like the club will be easier to buy just from one Italian madman rather than from one Italian madman plus a bunch of... I was going to say, I don't want to use a kind of Batesian term, but those guys who, let's face it, have not been necessarily helpful at Leeds United over the years, but whichever route it goes, I think GFH finally not owning any of Leeds United anymore, apart from a guarantee of their millions of pounds worth of debt that I suppose they can uh, cash in, well, they they hold that as a card. Significant moment. What what do we uh, What will we miss about GFH at Leeds United? Uh, I remember the video times. Remember they did the video about fan engagement and stuff? That was nice. Mm. Mm. Sometimes it's easier to make videos about things than to actually do anything, isn't it? So it's they did that no, well. they engaged with the fans. They did. They walked around the pitch a few times. They they sent a lot of DMs on Twitter. They did. They they did that. Um, they announced that fan event. It didn't. It, I know it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But, you they know, announced it. The thought was That's there. engagement. That they sold engagement. tickets to it. Well, they were free. They were free tickets. Yeah, they were free, free tickets to nothing. Okay. <laughs> That's a great summation of Gulf Finance House. Free tickets to nothing. Who will you miss most 
Salim Patel, Hisham Alrez, Junesh Patel. Salah Narudin was always a curious character who actually seemed to be ostensibly in charge because they let him be chairman. But then he never did anything. He did that one like really long 15-minute in-depth interview about lots of things that they never went on to go and do. Um, and then he was his chairman and then he just disappeared. He's my personal favourite. <laughs> I mean, I would say I'll miss, I'll miss um, Big Dave the most, but he, he's clearly going to be back at Ellen Road, isn't he? He's been promising people on Twitter that he's, um, he's definitely going to be back. People have been offering to buy him a pie and a pint and stuff in the, in the northeast corner. Um, and he said, I'll definitely take you up on that. He's not going to take you up on that. He's not ever going to go to and- the game. What I um I slightly suspect about GFH because I think when it comes to David Haig, I think they are trolls on a big level. I mean, like incarcerating somebody without charge for upwards of eighteen months is taking trolling to like an an exceptional level. But I would not be surprised if they've allowed Massimo to buy them out of Leeds United just to kind of cut off David Haig's plan to chase them out like a hero in its tracks because he's been building up to that for a while. It's like, I've got all this stuff on GFH. Me and Leeds United fans, we're all going to get together and we're going to drive that evil out of our club. Let's go, Salim, yeah, Dave reckons he's going to drive us out of the club. Ah, should we just sell up? Yeah, let's do it. Poor old Dave and his Cornwall's surrounded by all this this mad paper trail that now nobody cares about if anybody cared before gfh though i mean it seems like they're gone for good apart from obviously the whole debenture business and having the thing massimo chilino still despite all the takeover rumors on twitter and elsewhere a very present and clear problem and the fa still have a very present problem with him we are due a decision on the mccormack bung payments any day now the um I was on the BBC last night, so I had the privilege of speaking to Adam Pope about this, and Adam Pope gave me the uh, ITK in the know knowledge that uh, the FA don't tell anybody anything about this kind of thing. So literally anything could happen. They won't say when they're making a decision, but somehow that, that has been found out. They won't say when the decision will be announced. They won't say what the punishments can be, and we'll basically only find out if any punishment is due and what it will be when they announce it. God, I love transparency in football. And it's weird because I'm sure if you look back at archive footage of Leeds United in the 70s, you can see like they filmed Norman Hunter going into the room with the FA disciplinary panels. As a matter of course, they would be they'd like go into the posh building where it happened. Nowadays, they seem to hold it in some tower. Don't tell anybody. Significant thing about this, well, the story is McCormack's regular aide. Oh, I could get into trouble for not knowing people's names. One guy was given some money who it was okay to have some money, but he gave some money to another guy who is not a licensed agent and he shouldn't have been paid. This sounds and... exactly how Chilino will explain it to the to the board. <laughs> I gave some money to a guy I don't know this, and he was, I don't good, know this it was good for him to have money. But then another guy gave him some money. He said he was going to shops for some cigarettes and he wasn't and he came back. And now I'm in trouble. It's not my fault. And this has reminded me of the um, the story in the Yorkshire Evening Post that you highlighted to us uh, yesterday about the nice old couple who were robbed of £14,000 by mm. um, the people who phoned them and said they'd get rid of the pornography from their computer. <laughs> and they sent a moneygram of not, five grand. Not, well, I was going to say from not one, one moneygram. It wasn't even explained where the final four grand had gone. No. Well, it wasn't even explained what they thought were going to happen. I mean, I noticed she was like, he said, you know, he said, you know, he says, you know, 
you know, so I sent a £5,000 money grab. It's like, what? And then it said it didn't arrive. So I had to go to a different post office that they instructed me to go to and send another £5,000 for it. I mean, it's not. I mean, this is completely unrelated to Leeds United, and it's not funny. Like, if you know, I mean, to lose £14,000 to um, to fraud is terrible, and people shouldn't prey on them. But I did watch that video thinking that I could probably phone them up again tomorrow and do exactly the same thing. Which, did they get the job done, though? That's the question. Is uh, their pornography still on their computer? Well, her husband was sat next to her on the sofa while she was relaying the story, and he was looking very sheepish. I bloody knew you would say that for some reason. He just had the look of a man thinking, I thought I deleted it. I was sure I deleted it, but they know about it. They fucking know about it. What what pornography is that bad that you need to spend that much money getting rid of it? Back to Massimo Cellino and Mm. Ross McCormack. He's he's not got any pornography on his computer. No, they they spent 14 grand to get rid of the stuff that Neil Warnock was watching. Which I hope our listeners will remember. That's a reference to that beautiful Photoshop of the of him on transfer deadline, day, <laughs> staring intently at the TV screen that had um, pornography on it. That, Didn't uh, offend his daughter. Oh, Sharon and the kids did not like that at all. Um, I mean, I, anyway. thought, I thought it was fantastic, really. But, uh... I mean, we're trying to talk about an illegal payment to an unlicensed agent. Leeds United and Chilino have been charged separately. Is that significant, Michael? Are they out to get Massimo for just not knowing the rules? Potentially. He's admitted to not knowing the rules on this one, I seem to remember. Because it's been, obviously, going on since since we sold him. And I seem to remember him basically saying, I don't I don't really know what I'm meant to have done here. I don't, I don't know the rules, was his defence. Um, which doesn't Do think- bode particularly well. Eamon, if you were on the FA panel, would you let that fly? I mean, when he says he doesn't know the rules, I believe him. Oh, I believe mm, 100%. it. One hundred percent. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Is ignorance an excuse under the law? Uh, no. Um, probably not, is it? But it should be no. in this case. I mean, there's not a lot we can say about this other than it is actually happening, and we'll find out what they're going to do to him uh, when it happens. And similar with the Adrian third-party ownership case, people still don't know who owns um, Adrian Tavares, but um, it could end up costing Leeds United and Chilino either. Money or bans. And bans mean sporting directors at Leeds United. We have got a guy attending training sessions, observing Gary Monk and James Beattie, sitting with Massimo Cellino at games called Francesco Morocco, who has previously worked for Cellino at Cagliari, has limited English, so I imagine he has trouble explaining to Gary Monk just what the fuck he's doing. But obviously this is this, will not is be this the guy we've got in from, uh, from DFS? <laughs> He will not be adding any pressure to Gary Monk's job position whatsoever. What do we think about our new sporting director elect who has not been confirmed, but is just hanging around like some kind of Gianluca Festa? Eamon, do we need him? Do you want him here? <laughs> um, well, we do seem to go through these people that just sort of appear. And uh, I suppose even back to Gwyn Williams and all those folk just uh, spying on people so I there's no I don't know if he is spying on anyone in the toilets it's Gwyn Williams case according uh, to where uh, Glenn Snowden and Simon Grayson before any legal people want to contest that so I don't know uh, I don't know why he's here I assume he's he's uh, only has good intentions and he doesn't have history as selling furniture in Miami he actually has done this before so that, that helps Fortunately for Leeds United, the position of director of furniture is adequately filled. Sporting director has been open for a while. Michael, do you think 
Gary Monk needs this. I don't know whether to describe it as help um, or whether I need to describe it as just like his worst nightmare when people told him not to work for Chilino. But do you think he needs this? I don't think he needs it. I think he's he's realising all the things people said would happen are starting to happen. And he's probably regretting every decision he's made now. He probably had a nice payoff from Swansea. He was living a nice life, taking a lot of holidays. And now he's done this to himself. I did mean to say this about the um, the whole Pope Gates identity philosophy formation thing that's kind of blown up over the last week, which is that he's he's claimed that he kind of didn't have the faith in his own idea that he went through preseason with somebody playing in the number 10 role didn't work in the first game since he's gone 4-4-2 and he says that's not what I came here to do as Leeds boss you must know that you're working for Cellino you've got like 10 games maximum to do what you're going to do why not just do what you're going to do imagine if Monk had been sacked after the Huddersfield game and then he went to his next job interview and they were like mate what happened at Leeds he'd say well I turned up there and I planned everything out that I was going to do but then it didn't work in the first game so I changed my mind did something else and we lost every game after that and then I got sacked but it's all Chilino's fault he would sound like the worst manager in the world if he had been able to go there and say well I went there put my plans in place stuck to my principles stuck to my guns seven games it didn't work out but I did everything I went there to do fine weird lack of confidence in himself and that kind of um has backfired on him. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily led to. This would happen anyway. But after the Blackburn win, when you think he's got that win against the bottle of the table team that he had to do, what turns up in the times? But Chilino still going to sack Monk because apparently he's tired of him. Do you think, are, are you tired? I mean, Eamon, you don't like him. So are you tired of him? And do you want him sacked? I'm a, I'm a little bit tired of him. I'm not sure I want him sacked uh, just yet. It's, it is still, I mean, for Chilino, it's actually quite late, but it's quite early broadly speaking but he is he's just he's a bit irritating you know I mean imagine being friends with him and you're like oh did you have a nice weekend Gary and he's like oh they're all nice weekends it's not about the weekend it's the week and whole it's, you know it's a whole week it's a month it's a year it's my life it's, it's a, don't boil down to a single week oh just just fucking answer the question you pray. you don't know about my weekend so Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. How can you ask me about it? It's not, your, it's not your position to do that, is it? Where did you go for your Sunday lunch? None of your business. You you call that that lamb cooked well, etc., etc., etc. Well, the the rumours after the Blackburn game didn't stop. 
Um, and in fact, they started immediately in the Times who reported that uh, Mr. Mussolini may still sack him. And that was news that hit Twitter in the form of a photograph of the newspaper page. And that was a tweet that earned a like from a surprising source, Marco Silvestri. Not that surprising, we, the snake. Who we are... <laughs> Yes, who well relieved now to be able to call our reserve goalkeeper gave it a like on Twitter. Snidey little fucker. And then a few people noticed it, and they and it was screenshotted by them and pointed out. And then he unliked it, and then denied it ever happened, and said uh, he put out a tweet on Twitter saying that he doesn't tweet on Twitter. And then he left Twitter, which he said that he only used uh, to help charities and to wish kids a happy birthday. Anyway. Uh, Michael, I'm going to put it to you. Even if he had deliberately liked that tweet, the lie that he should have chosen afterwards was uh, that he liked it by accident, yeah. not that it had never happened. Are you, you are. I mean, you're quite a devious little bastard. Is oh, that, yeah, very much is so. that the route that you would have chosen? Well, I think, yeah. Just say, oh, yeah, I did like that. Sorry, I didn't mean to. It was an error. Don't say, that never happened. And besides, <laughs> I was only, when I did click like on it, what I was meaning to do was give some money to uh, some dying children. But now now you're going to pick me up on this thing, then maybe I'll just have to hold a pillow over their faces instead. <laughs> I mean, a particular um, highlight of this for me was some of the people, a lot of people defended him saying it, it had been photoshopped by scoreless mm. Leeds fans. And also uh, um, my personal favourite is the person who said that the... Uh, the, the tweet that he originally liked had been posted by a hacker who had obviously somehow hacked Photoshop to do this, whereas the person who had tweeted it was actually a journalist whose bios called themselves a hack. Same um, thing. Same thing, a bit thing, of a mate. misunderstanding. Well, <laughs> I know about hacking. Eamon, you, uh, you work in uh, graphic design and you design our magazine. You're very familiar with Adobe's suite of products, can you perhaps do a forensic analysis and explain to us how Leeds fans did set up Marco Silvestri? Uh, well, they did something which you refer to as a reverse hack. So you're actually hacking into his phone mm -hmm. and you edit it just on his phone. It's actually, it's very interesting. You don't even need to Photoshop the image. You're Photoshopping what he's liking. He thinks he's hitting a dislike button. Mm. Right, that's the that's the kicker. You see, interesting. So he's like Gary Monk could be sacked. Oh no, dislike. So when we go back through Marco Silvestri's Twitter account, which obviously he doesn't use, but I think Andrew Haig, who is a Leeds fan who now works at Twitter, um, counted up that he had something like six thousand likes, um, several thousand anyway. Uh, things like um, kids who are having happy birthdays, people who are wishing him to have a good game charities who are seeking support are you saying that every time he hit like on those he actually thought he was hitting the dislike button yes he's a very very low self-esteem well his girlfriend has got plenty of self-esteem because while all this was going on he was retiring from twitter she was certainly not retiring she got into a dm slanging match with uh, somebody who uh, um, a young lady who was happy to share that conversation with the world basically we'll just call it um, a slangy match about who looks good with fil filters and also who uh, um, goalkeeping like prowess seemed to come into into play. But certainly, and then death threats started getting thrown around. It was, I, I'm going to say, it was a great moment in modern football. I'm really glad I support Leeds United in the Twitter age. I think Grayson Simon Grayson had the right idea. Yeah, I knew. I was just <laughs> waiting to see which one of you would say that first, and that was only because David Summers said he had been a, he was had a poorly ankle. 
Do you think that the the best solution all round to this is that we sack Gary Monk, get Mar- uh, Simon Grayson back, we ban the players from Twitter, we sell Marco Silvestri, and we buy Paul Hubker again? Is that the scenario that needs to come to solve and heal these social media divides that have come between us, Eamon? I love it. Paul Rehubka, imagine him with Twitter. He'd be dropping his phone, he'd be liking everything, he'd be retweeting porn. It'd be it'd be a shambles. Leeds Leeds United but, goalkeepers do have a bad history with um, liking things on Twitter, don't they? Of course, <laughs> Nigel Martin. Nigel Martin's solitary uh, like with his, of course the the plasterer's radio um, lady. Um, I'm sure that was accidental. Probably probably again a reverse hack. He probably In, thought that's very disrespectful to her. Don't like that. <laughs> In other news about people who are definitely not shithouses, even if they do say themselves themselves, Giuseppe Belusky uh, mm. of Empoli uh, for this season, when he come, when unless they sign him, he still has a year at Leeds, has given an interview in the Italian press in which he basically says he is definitely not a shithouse, even if he has to say so himself. Here are the quotes, and I don't know if, because we are recording this over the internet, we're slightly out of sync, so it's going to be difficult for you to ding every time you hear something you want to take issue with. But if you want to talk over me and kind of take control at any point. So in recent years, I found things more difficult on human and technical level in the squads. I've, I already am stopping myself. I found things more difficult on a human level. What's right? Is he, is he the Terminator? He's a little rat is, is the reason. Right. He's, he's Finger on the pulse as ever. Subhuman. I missed the feeling of wellness in a team and that's what Empoli have given me. Nobody's got a problem there. Okay, that's fine. I'm a hard worker. Mm. Okay. Eamon, you're the first. Giuseppe Belushki, hard worker. He's hard work. I'll say that much. Very good. But if there's room for a smile or a joke, he continues, I won't pass it up. Has anybody here been told a, ju- a joke by Giuseppe Belushki? That sounds more like something Warner could say. <laughs> I'd say, you know, people don't know how hard I work, but, you know, you, you've always got to have a laugh. I was having a laugh with uh, with all my Kev, Kev Blackwell the other day, and he was, just, he was saying, he said, have you heard that Gary Monk interview? I was like, oh, Blackwell. I thought of you when I heard it. I thought that. He was just, he was a, he was a fart in the box away from, like, a, a Kevin Blackwell. Anyway, it was difficult in England. I think we'd all agree with him there. Leeds are a historical club. Not historic historical now we're taking issue with the translator there which may well be google mm, so enough. let's not be um, i've got to be fair to this absolute wank stain um, and the fans are incredible thank you but they magnify things Ooh, did we pay for the fact that we were foreigners question mark i wouldn't say no. so he says having just said so <laughs> oh, well michael has answered the question i wouldn't say so but that's what transpired. Did that transpire? Did they pay for being foreigners? What they paid for? I mean, look at look I mean, at Berardi. We, Came in at the same time. No one has an issue with him. And the reason for that is because he didn't go on strike to try and get a manager sacked and prove a point. I would say, actually, no. It's because Berardi's Swiss and they are um, uh, mercenary warriors available for hire and everybody's a little bit frightened of them, even though they seem to be a peaceful nation. Okay. So he's got that in his bank, but um, it's interesting that as well it moves from did we did to his experiences. So did we pay for the fact that we were foreigners? I mean, poor old Solomon Dakar is still here, and he's still hated, but you know he's still here. I wouldn't say so, but that's what inspired transpired. Says Belusky. I don't do controversy, says Giuseppe Belusky. Who wants to go first? 
Cameron Jerome. Uh, yes. He might if he was here, I'm sure he'd have something to say. We we should probably not even cover this guy. <laughs> Alright, well let's let's rush to the end. I don't do controversy, but when there were troubles, it always oh, troubles. It always, it always ended up as us Italians in the middle. Eamon, you've obviously seen troubles firsthand. Do you remember seeing Gi- Giuseppe Belushki there? I don't remember. I remember the Troubles, but I don't remember the Italians being in the middle. Does, does all this sound like uh, whiny, self-serving bullshit that you would expect from somebody who would tweet a graph of incredibly average stats to argue that he's not a terrible footballer? Mm-hmm. Are we all agreed, Eamon? Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, who says that Leeds United fans can't agree with each other? Coming up. Coming up, we have two games ahead of us, and then we reckon we'll probably do another podcast after that. I know we're holding ourselves to like impossible standards these days, but get used to it. Um, first, Cardiff game. Um, we are playing them on Saturday, the 17th of September at, they no longer play at uh, Cardiff Arms Park. I don't care where they play. <laughs> but I, can we hear, did... I, can, I can hear your keyboard tapping away <laughs> as you desperately try to find something to say about Cardiff. I was just opening whoscored.com. So I guess Bosco's some... got a special keyboard as well that's like I, a big mechanical typewriter. I have a mechanical keyboard by Das Keyboard if they care to uh, to reimburse me uh, for sponsorship. If anybody wants to hear what a mechanical keyboard sounds like. That's how the magic happens, people. The people, you know, you wouldn't mock me if I bought a guitar. I bought a keyboard. It's these these are my the tools of my trade. Anyway, we did the double over Cardiff last season, which nobody saw coming because they always beat us. Alex Mowatz won the goal at Elland Road, which was just... Did that come before or after the Huddersfield one? I can't remember. I think it was one before. I think it was right. one before, yeah. Yes, because his face, when he scored that goal against Huddersfield, I remember it now because you could see he was thinking, how have I done that twice in a week? I think um, it was because Steve Evans told him to shoot or something like that. Well, that was obviously the explanation. I mean, the, that look was wiped off his face as soon as he looked at the bench and Evans was just there like a like a big space hopper. It's like, I, t- I told you, I told you more. And then down at uh, their place, Dukari, D- Dukari? Uh, Dukari and Antonucci uh, scored one each um, in what I remember being... I think that was a stern, like, defensive performance in it the was Silvestri match. was actually really good, having slagged him, spent about 10 minutes slagging him off. <laughs> he actually had the game of his life. Um, and th- I think it was one of those games where they've had about 17 shots on target and we've had That's one of those things and managed to win. One of those things with Silvestri is you think that if he just wasn't a prick and he could catch crosses, he'd probably be a really good goalkeeper. But whatever, Rob Green will probably be in goal for this one. Cardiff have had a promisingly shit start from our point of view. They have won one drawn two, lost four. They're below us in the league. Their one win was 2-1 at home to Blackburn, which is a startling coincidence. In defence, old friend Lee Peltier up front, Ricky Lambert uh, in midfield, no one, which is a, a brave a brave tactic and a very old joke. But they also have Anthony Pilkington in midfield who has scored three goals in the first seven games. So he, uh, I mean, he's a, a like a legitimately good player, as is Ricky Lambert, basically. Michael, which one out of Anthony Pilkington and Ricky Lambert is going to score the winner for Cardiff on Saturday? I'd, just looking at the squad list, they have that um, Federico Makeda as well. You know, the next the next big thing from Scum. The, the Marcus Rashford of his day. Hmm. <laughs> His career has not has not panned out maybe quite as he'd as he'd one day as he'd imagined. Um, so probably him. Eamon, who are you predicting to score against <coughs> uh, the winner against Leeds? They have an S Morrison. I'm just throwing that out there. 
Doesn't everybody? Yeah, that's true. They also well, have um, oh, that Federico Gunner- Makeda that, hasn't played this they have year. That, they have that Gunnarsson fella from Iceland. I think he's a long throw merchant, if I remember correct. The, the question then about Cardiff is that if they've got all these players who we've actually heard of, why are they below us in the league and have only won one game and that was against Blackburn? What's happening at Cardiff? I know you've been watching them religiously on I, Channel I, 5. I know an awful lot about them. Yes. Um, Adam Virgo has taught me taught me well. Um, I think the, possibly the issue is the players we've heard of are players who were good about three years ago. And one of those players we heard of was Lee Peltier. Lee Peltier used to email me all the time, like on the regular. Like I think me and him had like a little bit of a thing going. Mm, I, I, well, I don't want to break it to you, but no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, what we'll, what we'll were not... you going to say? No, we'll not mention it. We'll not mention no, what? It. If you got something to say? Well, I just I got I got him to. You are. I knew I knew you'd be like this. He was emailing yeah. you as well. Like I, I, I don't. I don't want to say. I don't not, say. What are you? What are you talking for, Eamon? Just, what just, have you got something to say here as well? I just, uh, I, just I, I, I didn't reply. But he that, was didn't, e- that didn't stop him. Was that dirty rat bag emailing you as well? Well, I hope we're all been happy together, laughing at me behind my back. It was Warnock's idea. Anyway, according to whoscored.com, uh, Cardiff's strengths include aerial duels and Leeds' weaknesses include aerial duels. So, um, yeah, I was about to say this feels very pre-Pontus. Defending set pieces is also um, a weakness. They're going to create chances through individual skill, whereas we're going to shoot from direct free kicks. Again, does anybody remember our consistent success from direct free kicks this season? And Cardiff's weaknesses are finishing scoring chances and defending against skillful players. So, Taco will have a field day. Ah. Uh, don't try to hurt me. They Style is probably the more useful thing at this stage of the season. They attack through the middle. Um, they play in their own half, which is a bit the Huddersfield. And they're non-aggressive, which is nice. Uh, I was just about to say our style is also non-aggressive. We rotate our first 11, which I believe we covered in the first part. Um, and we play with width. But we've stopped that as well now that we're going with this 40. So whoscored.com, useful as ever. Cardiff... We've we struggled against them for a long time. Last season, we got the better of them. I mean, Blackburn was a must-win game because we're bottom of the table, they're bottom of the table. We're up to 18th. We're still pretty much bottom of the table. Cardiff, 22nd. It's it's all bottom of the table. Surely, Eamon, we have to beat these just as much as we had to beat Blackburn. A nil-nil won't cut it. And it won't, but it, it'll probably be what will happen. It's I don't know why it's on TV as well. Who thought this was a good idea? What what game are uh, Sky going up against on BT that they thought Leeds Cardiff that'll get the the viewers in Cardiff Leeds in the the FA Cup back in two thousand and one was a an entertaining old afternoon for the viewers on on the television wasn't it Everybody loves a mor- bit of moral outrage and you can't beat Well actually there wasn't any moral outrage because it was basically bottles being thrown at Nigel Martin and everybody <laughs> looking on and going great good stuff love football oh Sam Hermans is going to walk around the pitch and incite even more of a riot love that hopefully Don Goodman is on the commentary and gives us something to complain about I keep remembering as because uh, I'm still adapting to this Dan Moylan-esque role like the kind of things I'm supposed to ask about games at previews should we stick with the same team and formation Eamon will you be preparing 
like a, a preferred selection graphic for Saturday morning and tweeting it at Gary Monk and Pep Clotet? Well, that's my job. Uh, do you even understand the question you're asking there? You don't even know what you're talking about. You use, I mean, Photoshop, we've, we've all heard of it and surely there's a a, a setting and then, so I can ask that question because I've, I've seen Photoshop. No. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. I mean, we probably should just keep the same team. He'll probably put uh, Wood back in though, won't he? That's the yeah. worry. I mean, he scored from three yards into an open net. So he did. He did change the game the other night. He, I don't think that, he, he changed was actually, the game. He was. At, this is what I mean about you not liking certain <laughs> players. I don't like Wood either. Particularly. Go on. Tell me. Tell me how he changed the game. He just played really well. He won headers. He held it up well. He, he won that like one. He, I, I he, could have he scored well. that goal. He played he, well. I would give him more credit actually for winning the free kick that led to the winner. I was impressed exactly. that he, he allowed that. himself to be dragged down in that manner. And um, if Becky had scored that goal, you would have been talking about it like it was Maradona 86. Mate, if Becky had had that chance, he would have flicked it up and volleyed it in. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, there is one other game due in the next seven days, and it's against bloody bastard Blackburn yet again. It's in the League Cup this time, which somehow renders it even more uninteresting. I mean, I know technically we all love Leeds and Leeds, but we're all like desperately interested whenever they play. I really don't think I could care less about this game. And in fact, whoscored.com haven't even bothered putting up like any tactical analysis between us both. So I'm not going to... Let's see if I can work out what Blackburn do. I think, um, I think rather than preview it properly let, and guess a score, should we guess an attendance? That's an interesting mm. question. I'm going right. to go for... Uh, I'm going to go sub 10,000. Like, I'll, I'll, let's go all the nines. You know, nine, 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 nine. Let's have a look at that as an attendance. Eamon, predicted attendance? It won't be that low, surely. Uh, let's go all the ones. 11, 11. I think we'll break 12,000, if, even if the club have to lie about it. Um, <laughs> I have managed to find the breakdown of Blackburn's characteristics on whoscored.com, uh, the best stats website that there is. Strengths? Team has no significant strengths, it says in brackets. Well, you just and saw it the other night. I think you'd probably agree with that. Their weaknesses, finishing scoring chances, aerial duels, defending and skillful players, avoiding offside, defending attacks down the wings. I mean, the thing about this game is if you, if you look at our record in the League Cup so far, we are on a cup run, but we have played kind of, I suppose it was a bit of a hybrid team against Fleetwood, but Luton was definitely a reserve side. So if it's Leeds reserves and if Blackburn, they've got a lot to contend with with what was getting relegated and stuff. So if they put out their reserve team, we saw how bad their first team is. Imagine how bad their reserve team must be. So it's like Leeds reserves versus Blackburn reserves. And I don't think there is a like a ticket price low enough that will get more than uh, 13,000 people through the gate basically sum this game up is that when we get to Wembley and we win the League Cup obviously we will all be pretending that we're at this game and it was a great moment it changed everything but at the moment any enthusiasm for Leeds United versus Blackburn Michael perhaps you can't wait I, I can wait I can wait your whole life <laughs> I feel like it's just happened really it, well I mean it literally has just happened there's no need for it to happen again just just call it 2-1 Leeds again it's Let's worth pointing out that the uh, the game against Blackburn at the, um, on Tuesday, just gone, was our first home win since April. Admittedly, we didn't play over summer, so I'm not holding that against anybody. But it was a, a bloody long time for us to wait just to like have that feeling of we won at home 
Eamon, surely you want to just experience that feeling of Leeds United. You've come all the way from Dublin, gone to all the effort, flights, hotels, and you see a Leeds United win after months. Don't you want that feeling of satisfaction again after experiencing it last week? I'm not going. No? (laughs) No, not a hope. you kidding me? There's too many storms in Leeds. Can't fly in. Ryanair aren't going near it. That's my excuse. Score prediction? Do we even know who's going to be playing? Will Owen Stokes get a a run out of Frankie Mohorn or somebody else who sounds like a um, a stand-up comedian from the BBC. Well, so, well, I was going to say Grimes, but we've a new Grimes now, don't we? He'll probably appear new Grimes again. Might play. Mm. Will we'll, um, basically? What's the score going to be against Blackburn? Two-one oh, leads. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, it's always the risk with the games like these. It could turn out to be the greatest game of football ever played. Unlikely, though. It's not likely, is it? I kind of feel like the most likely thing is that we'll draw them in the cup as well, the FA Cup. That's a very good point. And get a replay. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. Has it been a fortnight since we last did this? I think it's barely been a week. Ten days. The Ken Bates villain of life. Nominations, as always, begin with Ken Bates for making our lives as Leeds fans miserable. Has he done anything lately? Eamon, he... I believe Eamon has listened to his um, his latest radio thing, which was quite old, actually, but I'm sure there was something in there. It was from during the Euros, and he was giving out about the England fans. Uh, but he was he also was giving out about uh, the boy in Florida who was eaten by an alligator. He was very annoyed by this. Um, what most, aspects annoyed him? It seems to be the fact that it was getting so much news coverage. Um, because he said it was, he said it was bloody obvious he was eaten by a croc. That's what he said. Surely that is the news. That that was yeah exactly. It was obvious he was eaten by the croc because it was on the news. They were was were it, reporting this fact. People weren't disputing what happened to him, though, were they? Has, there's been nothing since. When was this one? This was must have been July. We've not. I've not heard anything from him for a long, long time. Well, let's nominate Ken Bates for villain of the podcast for being uh, suspiciously quiet um, since July. That's his nomination. Marco Silvestri, I get the feeling, Michael, you might want to be the supporting uh, nominator on this one. Yeah. It's this, first of all, this is his second offence, really, isn't it? I mean, with his, when, he, when he used Twitter to put his back scratch picture out there, um, saying he couldn't play because he had what was obviously quite a superficial um, line up his back. But to now use it again to do something snide and then completely deny it and then flounce off making some claims about trying to just help children on their birthday. It's bollocks. And we need to sell him as soon as we can. I am going to contend that this is actually his third offence because although it may not have been him that tweeted it, he was definitely involved in like the just after the 6-6 event. um, They all went to, was it Chiquito at um, Batley Retail Park? on a night out and they were having oh, don't, an ostentatious... Don't try, and, don't try and make me feel sorry for him. No, I'm not. I'm implying that basically he's much worse than you're saying. Because they did, they made a big show of it, like, oh, we're not picked, so we're all out at this restaurant having a beer on a Friday night before a game because it was after they didn't play again. So actually, there are three strikes against him on social media. But, <laughs> however, I am going to uh, put the counter-argument that it's only Twitter. Shouldn't we all just untwist our undergarments, put them back on, get on with our lives if I liked him I'd agree but I don't (laughs) 
And having said that, that's brought back to mind the uh, his posing in the hammock for the Christmas calendar. So we better move oh, on quickly. Yeah. He was Giuseppe, made, he was forced to do that. Giuseppe Belushi again. I am also going to turn to you, Michael, as the nominator for Giuseppe Belushi because you hate Italian people. Clearly, that is true. It's, well, it's just foreigners. It's the foreigners. I didn't like Mark Maduka. I didn't like Lucas Radaby. I didn't like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. I didn't like Bruno Ribeiro, Gunnar Haller. Hated all of them. Belushi's ex- just another one of those. That explains why all these people are on this sheet here nominated for Ken Bates filling of the Fortnite. I was surprised to see you'd included Lucas Radaby in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, always. I, it's... <laughs> Film a singer of- too. Film a singer's on there. Sick of his smiling bullshit, are you? Ah, fuck off. Being nice all the time and a great lad. Keeping a good, honest, work, hard-working British lad out of the team. The case against Giuseppe Belushi for just uh, this particular edition. Just look at his face. That's just picture, that'll, his, picture his face. That'll do for me. Eamon, Gary Monk, he's all yours. I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just fed up, to be honest. And he made a point about ruining his suit in the rain. Come on, mate. Put on your coat and just get on with it. He did. Or sit down. You're not doing anything. Get under the dugout. To his credit, on that night, he was not wearing a tank top, as Owen Coyle appeared to be. And he did also, after the whole thing with Adam Pope, you could hear it on the audio, he did say that he was he was very apologetic and, you know, contrite. And some would say, and he changed the team as, as we would. So I'm kind of, does that make you feel any more in favour of our Leeds United manager? No. If anything, I feel even stronger that we want them out. Fair enough. Well, I'm nominating Aaron Moy uh, because he scored... Um, he showed Blackburn how to score against us. He also scored the winner for Huddersfield. Um, he should have been sent off for his tackle on Bridcut, and he's frankly he's got too many vowels in his name. He should have been sent off for that alone. What's he got? F- five. He's got a nine-letter name, and there are wow. only four consonants. That's too. Sick. Yeah, balance is Sick. all wrong. So nominations: Ken Bates for being suspiciously quiet, Michael Silvestri for being on Twitter, then off Twitter again. Uh, Giuseppe Belushi for his face Gary Monk for his wetsuit Aaron Moy for too many vowels who do we think should win Ken Bates villain of the fortnight slash podcast slash week Silvestri for me uh, Silvestri Belushi also did score from a corner for his new team which is very disappointing and is a direct kick in the face to Leeds fans um, it'll, be, it'll be going on about that for months as well I think um, it has to be Silvestri though Oh, well, I was about to say that because we're going to hear about that Belushi thing for months and because Silvestri, that actually gave me quite a lot of entertainment just in kind of a, how ridiculous the whole situation was. I vote Belushi. I'm, I'm happy that as far as I'm concerned, they're both foreign and therefore basically <laughs> the same. Should we just do that? Should we just give it to foreign footballers? Why, why stop just... the footballers? <laughs> All right. Well, the Ken Bates Villains of Fortnite has been won by foreigners um thankfully a near miss for uh resident of monaco ken bates who would probably i think we finally given out the one award that he would actually be very very much in favor of it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for Eamon, probably second podcasting yeah i mean guys come on issue two of the square ball we discussed the cover earlier on inside you will learn um, from me, in fact, how you can love a foreign footballer because I've written a bit of a, a pay on to uh, Jordan Bataka 
uh, lamenting his absence. Um, there's an excellent article from Andy P, who is on fire so far this season, which is about how far back the in the know ITK game goes. And in his case, it goes all the way back to pub toilets in 1988, where mustachioed men with fags lit would casually half whisper out of the corner of their mouths about the future transfer of John Sheridan, which obviously turned out not to be true. There's an article by uh, John McKenzie um, about Red Bull Leipzig um, and what their uh, status over in Germany means for us. Steve York about Mr. Mochilino on a train. Emma Carrington suggesting people on Twitter calm down that perhaps um, Marco Silvestri could have done with reading all kinds of different stuff in there. It's pound fifty if you get the digital version for the squareball.net. £2 if you want the paper one, plus whatever it costs us to post it to you. With that, we will say thank you very much um, for listening yet again and so soon. I hope that two podcasts in whatever it is like three weeks you're not going to get bored of us um already again we will be back pretty soon like i say we don't want to make too many commitments because all these rearranged fixtures with blackburn ahead of us um compressing the time available but we will continue to endeavor to podcast as often as acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com We can. For now, we'll endeavor to say goodbye. Michael. Goodbye. Eamon. Goodbye. God bless. Yeah, this all, this all got a little bit more emotional than I intended. Uh, thanks for listening. The Square Ball Podcast. <laughs>